Hi, my name is James Morehouse, host of the ABN Resource Podcast. If you're in the lubricants or fuels industry and want the latest market trends, career development tips, and insight from key people in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. If you like the content in today's episode, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe. It really helps us to keep delivering great content direct to you. And now it's time for the podcast. Hi, everyone. It's James Morehouse here, uh, your host of the ABN Resource Podcast. Today, our uh, guest is Sanya Mathura, based in Trinidad and Tobago. So one of the most exciting things about this part of my job, I feel, is I genuinely get to speak to a global audience, and this is our first Caribbean one. So, Sanya, lovely to have you on the show. I'm so glad that I'm the first Caribbean one. Thank you for having me, James. So glad to be here. <laughs> it's my pleasure. So um, if we could maybe start the pod just with you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, because I think it's a pretty amazing mm. story. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so I am Sani Mathura. I am the managing director and the founder of Strategic Reliability Solutions Limited. We are based in Trinidad and Tobago, which is in the Caribbean, which is where James is going to be heading next. We're going to do this. We're going to do this podcast live from Trinidad, maybe next time. Oh, yes. That sounds perfect. I think yeah. I think we should. Yes. <laughs> so even though my background, my I have my bachelor's in electrical and computer engineering. Now, that has nothing to do with lubrication. Not a thing. But I worked in the industry for like two years or so. And then I got this opportunity with Shell Lubricants. And I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. Let me see where this goes. And we started getting into like machinery lubrication and reliability. And I think that is where I fell in love with reliability. And I'm like, it all makes sense. Okay. They need oil. They just need the oil. And you need to be able to have that done properly. So that's where I really started to find that, you know, find my niche. And being able to help people with that. And I loved being able to do that. And I think that was one of the main reasons that I did my master's in engineering asset management. Because I'm like, everything kind of ties together on the asset management when you really think about it, right? That's it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great um, mix of that. And while I was doing my master's, I had to do my thesis. So what do you think I did my thesis on, James? Let's just make a wild guess (laughs) well you know you've got this whole electrical computer engineering Uh, thing going on but then you know masters in asset management so uh, i'm gonna say thesis is going to start focusing on something around lubrication of course i had to do something on lubrication it had to be interesting right like you can't put in that amount of work for a thesis and not enjoy what it was about Yeah, it takes a lot of work, so you've got to be passionate about it. Right? So while I was doing, my thesis was um, based on finding root cause analysis for lubrication degradation in ammonia complex systems. Uh, A bit of a mouthful, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, right. A bit of a mouthful. But I was so passionate about it, and I wasn't really getting the time to do my thesis, to handle work stuff, because with my job, it was a lot of hands-on stuff, a lot of technical reporting. I was the technical support for 
the island of Trinidad and Tobago and then helping out some of the other Caribbean islands. So it was a lot of work all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I am so focused on quality. And I was looking at my thesis, what I was writing, and I'm like, Mm-mm, I need to sit with this and actually properly get it done. And that's when I left the corporate world without a, without a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but while doing my thesis, what happened is that I was trying to find information on lubrication, on stuff about, you know, how does the lubricant degrade and Mind you, this was back in 2017. I say that like it's it's a long time ago, but we weren't as advanced then as we are now. Yeah. So I could not find the information, James. Like I'm trying to get information and then I started reaching out to experts in the field. And they're like, I know somebody who knows somebody who has something on their computer. I'm like, well, why is it not available? Like, I'm sure I'm not the only person trying to find information like this. <laughs> yeah. It's funny though, right? Because uh, just as you're doing reach outs for a thesis, I think you're touching on something I see in the industry, which mm. is like, it's a really friendly, open, yes. people willing to help each other out type sector. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the nicest things, right? I think that's the part of the industry that I love the most. Yeah. It's not about, it's just about really focusing on like, talking to people and saying, you need help with that? Okay, I know somebody who will be able to help with that. And that is actually how I formed my company because um, I was there thinking, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> to have something like a hub where we have all of the experts, people could reach out to one place and they could meet different people, different experts, different fields and still get that quality. <laughs> Yeah, and that that's the part that's important. That's the part that's so so important. Great idea. Yeah, imagine that the gears were turning then with the right gear oil, though. <laughs> so what? After I started the company, you know, I I worked with some of these different people within the industry, and one of the things that I kept getting asked like a lot of times when I go to pitch my company, they're like. Who's the guy that came up with this idea? I'm like, oh, wow. well, I'm the girl. But if you're okay with that, you know, I could tell you more about it. It's totally up to you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, you get it all the time. So I'm sitting in this in this guy's office and he's like, my God, I love this idea. This is such a great company. Is the guy who came up with it? He's the he is he retired from one of those oil and gas companies? And I'm like, uh-uh, no. No. I, I say, I'm like, I think I told him, do I look that old? You know. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you always that the thing about this industry is just, that just for the benefit as we're on audio, but I can see you on video at the moment. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not old listeners. Definitely That's not that old. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the thing. A lot of times, you know, and I've had so many different experiences with um, going into a boardroom with a, a bunch of engineers and people are like, you know, the first thing that they do is that they try to test you before they need to validate that you can give them some sort of value before they trust you with any questions. So they'll ask the the easier questions, form this opinion in their mind and like, okay, well, 
maybe she knows what she's talking about. I'll give her a chance. I'll give her a shot of it at what we're trying to solve here. But it's something that a lot of women faces in the industry. Mm-hmm. And if they if they're not open and willing to just understand that sometimes this is a, a stumbling block and they may leave the industry. So I've seen a lot of women leave because they're like, I can't, it's too much pressure. I can't do it. You know, it's too many things going on. I can't stand all of the different things that happen. So a lot of times just being open to it. And I I use a lot of humor when I'm faced with those situations. <laughs> so from like the female audience you're speaking mm-hmm. to with that like pressure piece, mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Is it like a pressure of workload? Is it so, those? Is it those comments you're hearing where it's like, okay, where's where's the guy? Yeah, with the where's idea? the guy? Yeah, it, yeah. What's so, kind of, what is the pressure and the turnoff? Some of the some of the those? pressures are just hearing the comments because mm. if you don't have that self confidence, you're gonna think, okay, maybe I don't know what it is they're talking about, or you're gonna start second guessing yourself and be like maybe this is not for me maybe I should let some guy handle it and I just I'll give a random example we were doing oil analysis on one of these plants uh, industrial industrial plants in Trinidad and I came up with the sample kits and the bottles and whatnot and the guy asked me he's like why didn't send a guy to do this you know why are you here so I told him I said I thought you wanted the best to come here. That's why I came. But I can send a guy. He'll take twice as long. Still have to report to me and wait for my inputs. But if you prefer a guy, I can send him. Just let me know. <laughs> That's amazing. Because like on one hand, I'm sat here going like in awe of that. Like yeah. Strength and resilience and just thinking how awesome you are for working through that. But then... Mm-hmm. But then, like the conflicting part on the other hand of me is like, why do you, why do people even have to go through that crap? You know, right? But it's uh, you know, I think there's certainly work to be done on breaking down these biases, whether they're oh, yeah. <laughs> whether they're conscious ones or they're mm-hmm. or they're unconscious ones. Either way, it's it's a bias which is preventing great people making most of their potential. I think so. It definitely is because. You see it a lot within the industry. And that's one of the things that I want to make sure that, you know, women know that you may come up against this, but you don't have to feel attacked by it. Because some people just don't know, you yeah. know, thinking. Well, well, sometimes being aware of these things, you know, obstacles or barriers that are yeah. out there, I think can can be helpful. You can almost oh, yeah. be, be a bit better prepared for it. Yes. So, uh there were some other parts of your career, right? Because we've got, up, oh, yeah. we've got up to, you know, you've done done like two big academic things and then oh boy, yeah. worked, worked for an oil major and then like decided to start your own business. So Oh um, boy, yes, I did. Uh, probably probably most what most people would do in a lifetime you've done in like for a few short years. <laughs> and then just decided to like write a couple of books. Uh, yeah, you the, know. <laughs> LRVS as well, the Reliant yes. uh, Virtual Summit. So it'd be interesting to maybe touch on the 
Uh, oh yeah, I could touch, touch on, on the, those. <laughs> well, if we could, if we could touch on the book maybe a little bit later on, but I was just keen to understand a little bit more about the concept of LRVS and oh, what yeah. kind of things you can expect when you're when you're there. Oh, with LRVS, I absolutely loved LRVS. It started in 2020, of course, during the pandemic when we had everything going on. And uh, 2020, that's when I I launched my first book, which was kind of based on my thesis a little bit. So um, I'm glad, you know, I took the time back then. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. To get that done. And at that time... I had just gotten certified with my MLE certification, Machine Relubrication Engineer from ICML. Yes, I was the first female in the Caribbean to do that. And, you know, since then, I think, I think I'm still the only female in the Caribbean, but we'll try and change that soon. <laughs> All right. Because, yeah, there's like 170 people globally with that. And yeah. Only oh. nine females. Okay. Only nine females. We are, we are going to change that. We're going to have to get more women involved in it. And I think um, it's just because there may be a lack of awareness. Like when I was going to school, nobody talked about lubrication. It's, they, no, they didn't talk about, you know, the machinery aspect side of it. It's only after getting into the industry that we finally found out about it. And I'm like, oh, reliability is such a great thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like what you said, right? It, you barely knew about it until... Yes you came into the world of show and you're like this stuff is everywhere and we we see that as recruiters too right because obviously we do a lot of searches for in industry people and that's all good but sometimes you have Mm -hmm. to be a bit more creative and go outside the sector when (laughs) when you're speaking to those people you just hear it clicking almost they're like oh my god like loops is everywhere they understand what a vital role it plays in, (laughs) in society and the economy and it gets really interesting for them, but like the awareness just isn't mm-hmm. isn't there. So we need to do better communication, I think. Oh, yes. And I think we do a lot of that with LRVS because when it started in 2020, I was, um, I was a speaker and a panelist and they asked me, they were like, do you want to come on board with this? Because they were very open to having it being more diverse, getting more women involved. And I'm like, yes, of course. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. And actually what got us talking, right, was yeah. you've written this book and I love the topic of it because it's empowering women in STEM, like something close to my heart and that yeah. something I think needs to be done. But when it comes to STEM and, you know, making this industry of lubricants an attractive option to the next generation of a more diverse workforce. What do you think needs to be done to to make that happen? I think it starts with awareness. It starts with awareness again, because a lot of times people just, they really just don't know. They don't know that it exists and they don't know how much of a vital role that it plays. So a lot of times people will talk about Oh, yeah, you know, I know about, you know, this piece of equipment and this, that's really nice. And they don't realize how much of an impact having the proper lubricants in there, doing oil analysis, condition monitoring, you know, being able to understand what happens on the inside. 
they don't know that that may be another field. They don't know how big of a field that is. So we're now starting to get more awareness with it, you know? What audience are you talking about? Are we talking about like a, an adult demographic? Do you think there's a job to be done at a junior, you know, child age profile to get that awareness up? So I think it should be at the university level. Because okay. at that level, you're just so open and you're like, the world is your oyster. Mm. You want to see what you can do, what you can do, what you would want to do for the rest of your life. Mm. And letting them know that there's an option that you can do that is, I think that is important. Because a lot of times we miss that. Like, I did not know that when I was in back in university. Yeah, yeah I think. <laughs> And um, I guess, though, you also need to work to capture people to get to university in a subject field which is going to be relevant for lubrication. And I think that's the other thing. Yeah, uh, I think we've we've seen some good examples recently with um, IMCD and also with Exxon Mobil. They almost oh, yeah. have like a a kid class where they're just educating them about STEM or they've opened R&D facilities and invite people in so they can see like the world of STEM and that that almost gets that studying group moving towards university to Mm -hmm. specialize in that subject which I think has been a special thing to do as well. It's just awareness, it's really awareness making people aware of it because it's not just on the engineering side so you have people who are in chemistry, who are in biology, you know, just the understanding of the sciences. There are so many different parts of lubrication. You have the mechanical parts. You have the understanding exactly what's going on parts. Then you have the actual chemistry parts where you where you go straight into all of the molecules and et cetera. So yeah. it's a broad field. Yeah. But I think, you know... We don't talk about it enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, sales, marketing, managerial, executive mm-hmm. careers. Oh, yes. Technical functions, finance, operations, supply chain. It's like... Everything. You know, <laughs> so, one thing I was, was interested, given some of your experiences that you were talking about earlier, are there things you think the industry could be doing to improve inclusion and diversity? And what kind of things oh. could they be doing? Yes, so many things. So basic things like just if you're doing an ad, you're doing an advertisement, have a female featured. Because mm. traditionally we only see males being featured. We only see them. So they're talking about something with a mechanic and you see a guy, you know. So you are automatically integrating that stereotype into Anybody who looks at that from a toddler straight all the way up, because everybody's like mechanic guy. So that's that's what, you know, they have that subconsciously in their brain. So if you have different trades and you have like an electrician, but you have you have a female electrician, like, oh, okay then. You know, it starts, it starts a conversation. Definitely. and you you break down so many more barriers compared to then, you know, and it starts like just a five-year-old looking at that billboard. I'm like, oh, you know, I want to be, I think I want to be an electrician just because they saw somebody who looked like them Yeah. on the billboard. 
that's it. I think, um, you know, I guess it moves maybe a bit away from the advert piece you were saying, Mm -hmm. you know, having that, that role model, which is relatable to an audience. Oh my gosh. Um, Yes. Yeah. Definitely. That that was, that was one of my problems when I was growing up. Like I always liked fixing things and whatnot, but there was nobody that I knew or nobody within my particular region that did anything like that. And I was kind of like, why is it that we don't have any role models, any female role models within this industry? And I'm like, Mm-mm. we're going to change that. Yeah, We have to change that. Well, I think... I think that's a great thing that your that your book does because you know anyone yes. anyone picking that up or seeing that is going to have those points of reference now. And actually, you know, my own personal view is we've there is no end point on this journey. No. Like it's <laughs> it's never going to go away. There are actually some pockets of mm-hmm. really amazing examples out there which we can use to build on. But we gotta gotta keep pushing it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And and that's the thing with the book. So I have, I think, at least nine different countries, stories from nine different countries across the world. We have India, we have the UK, we have Canada, we have the US, you know, a lot of different countries. And a lot of times, some of their experiences were so similar, but so different, because they were in different industries. I had this woman talking about the agricultural sector like I've never thought about that and she was driving the the little tractors and you know everyone's like well if a girl could do it we can do it too and I'm like oh okay yeah oh, that's, that's interesting you know Absolutely. that's great <laughs> so uh, well yeah that's it it's just it shows it can be done and then it, yes. it leads the way doesn't it so it uh, certainly does <laughs> have you um have you seen yourself or heard from the people you've been speaking to benefits for organizations that have a more diverse workforce what do you think those are oh definitely so let me answer that by asking you a question that's gonna be it's gonna be a weird question James how do you make how do you make a cup of tea for me it's lots of different ingredients right okay uh, that's fine (laughs) because I'm based in Yorkshire I do think Mm -hmm. think the best brand is Yorkshire tea so okay Always okay. starts. Always starts with a tea bag, <laughs> but then you've got to boil up some water, a bit of milk, some mm-hmm. some sugar because I've got a sweet tooth. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe a biscuit on the side. Not technically oh, tea, yeah. but I think that's critical as well. I think, yeah. yeah. So, so that's your version of tea, right? Yeah. What about somebody who's totally into tea? Like they have the the blooming teas that go all pretty colors and you know it has this flower coming out on the inside i don't know how to do those but i'm just saying (laughs) their version of tea is first of all to have a glass teapot i don't have one of those i'm sorry but (laughs) have a glass teapot put their tea in there then pour it out and then you know sugar milk whatever else they want to add spices if you ask a trini how do you make tea they may talk about grating some cocoa because they, some people Ooh, call nice. tea cocoa tea. Nice. So we have different versions of tea, which is what makes us diverse. And yeah. that goes back to the workplace. 
So if you if I came to your office, I'll, I'll definitely get some Yorkshire tea, right, in the tea bags. But if I went to the office of the person who's very into tea, I'd see a glass teapot. So I think that's where we have diversity of sorts. So that's what changes the conversation. That's what helps us to, you know, be so diverse and get so creative. Because if you have everybody making tea one way, then it's not going to have that much flavors. <laughs> that's the analogy. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's a particularly it's a particularly relatable one to me. Right. Yeah, I think it's you know for me if you're looking at the industry now, there's so many interesting challenges ahead for it. Like yeah. you know changes in mobility in some regions of the world, mm-hmm. shrinking volume levels in what were big volume markets before, yep. <laughs> sustainability yes. and, the whole, and the whole net zero agenda. You know, these are some amazing problems to go and tackle, and I think really meaningful, exciting work. But you, it is you need to harness the power of what's in the industry already because there's a lot of good experience there oh, to yeah. learn from. <laughs> you know, that audience isn't exclusively going to have all the answers. I think nope. so bringing in more like diverse yes. brains and approaches to the making the tea or solving these yes. problems is um, <laughs> it's going to be a good way to go, right? I think it's what's needed to front up and hit some of these challenges. I think so too. Because what happens is that if we had one person making the tea one way for the past X amount of years, they only know how to make the tea that way. Yeah. They don't know that you can make tea different ways or explore new options. So that's where the diversity of thought actually comes in. So... We definitely awesome. need that. <laughs> and then, so we were just talking about some of the exciting times ahead for the industry with those yes. big, big, big themes to go and you know meet the challenge on and navigate change. Do you think there's a particular in-demand skill sets that the industry is going to need to continue thriving in the future? I think the pandemic kind of taught us that skill set, being able to be adaptable. <laughs> Yes. If we're not adaptable, James, then what happens? Like, it's like we're making tea one way for the past 100 years. <laughs> and what if we run out of tea? You know, all the tea in the yeah. tea bags, then we're going to have to do a different way. We're going to have to be adaptable. We're going to have to be open. We're going to have to, you know, be willing to do that change and to actually explore that. So, and I've I've talked to so many other people within the industry and they're like, you know, things aren't going so great because we're, we're still doing the same thing that we did before. Mm. They have not adapted. They have not changed. They have not looked at different options. So being able to be adaptable, being able to be open, willing to change, you know, willing to listen, mm. willing to do all of that, that is the skill that we really need. Everything else could be taught. And yeah, that's what I believe. <laughs> and I think also, uh, if I could add to that, I think to get to that point of knowing you need to be open to change or willing to change or to be adaptable, I think you also have to have like an awareness. Oh yes, <laughs> of, of you know, change needs to happen. And you, you know, I think that's born out of curiosity or just observing well and going. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
the wind. We need, <laughs> we need to be going in a different direction. So mm-hmm. uh, always to- questioning. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. Everything else can be trained. Mm-hmm. We see that when we're hiring. It's oh yeah. <laughs> choose the right attitudes and behaviors, and the, yes, the other skills can be taught. I think. Oh yeah, and especially if somebody sees it, like okay, if you're going to school and you have to learn Spanish, just saying, you know, it's, it's a difficult subject because you're just like, why do I have to learn this? I don't want to learn this. Yes. But you get into the workplace and you have a Spanish client and immediately you're like, como estas? <laughs> it's a game changer, isn't it? That, yes, level of, yes. that level of connection goes so much deeper. <laughs> so, uh, Definitely. Yeah. Well, Sanya, thank you. That was uh, just a really awesome conversation to have with you. Thank you for joining us on today's ABN Resource Podcast. We would love to hear your feedback, so please subscribe and review on your preferred media and get in touch for any suggestions on future content and your observations. Thank you for listening.